Excuse me. Oh. Well, as we continue through our series on the colors of salvation, someone had mentioned, they said, well, this is sort of like kid stuff, isn't it? And I said, well, yeah. Doesn't the Bible say, unless you come to me as a little child, you shall not know. And so these are things that we are going through. My desire was, as we were going through these, to teach us how to share the gospel with others, but also for us to look at our own life. Because sometimes we have forgot the very simple message of salvation. And so as we go through these colors, and there's six of them, we're going to um, you know, reflect on ourselves and look at ourselves and say, you know, am I where I need to be also with God? Because one of the important things as we get into today's message is where are you in your relationship with God? Sometimes we just believe that we walk forward or we say this prayer and then we just continue to live the life that we've always lived. But that's not what God's word says. He says, behold, all things that pass away, all things become new. We become a new creature. We have redressed ourselves. We are, are now redeemed by his blood and we are clean. And so we've gone through three colors so far. So the first one was black. And what did black represent? Sin. So we find out that we were all sinners, right? And sin separates us from our relationship with God, right? Our relationship with God, and that's the most important thing. When we look at, even in our life today, and we say, you know, something's not right, you know, and we know it in our walk, because maybe we're participating in things that we shouldn't be doing, or following things that we shouldn't be following, talking the way that we shouldn't be talking. We know that there's something wrong, and that something is something that inhibits our relationship with God. So when we're not saved, of course, we have no relationship with God. But even when we are saved, we have a relationship, and we're working on trying to have that as best we can, as close to God as we can. So we know that black represents sin, and it's our sin that separates us from God in relationship. God still loves us, remember? It says, why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't separate us from his love. It separates us from that relationship. Because Christ came to die for sinners. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we know that this is universal. We know that... There it is. We know that this is universal. We know that it affects everybody. That everybody is a sinner. So we can't say, well, at least I'm not like you. And we know the parables that are in the Gospels where we had that, that proud man praying, and at least I'm not like this person down here. No. God says we're all put on a level playing field. We are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not one. So we need to really embrace that as a truth in our life. Sometimes we think, well, I'm a little bit better than this person because I haven't done the things that this other person has done. I haven't committed those sins that this other person has committed. I haven't done the atrocities that they have done. But God says that doesn't matter. He says we are sinners, and a sinner is lost and doomed for hell. And so it affects that relationship with God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But thank God for Jesus. What did red represent? 
the blood. Red represented Christ's cost. His payment for our sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no redemption. There is no forgiveness of sin. So it represents really the color of the blood of Jesus. Now we all know that we all have red blood, but his blood was special because this was God and God's own son that shed his blood upon the cross. It is that blood that we sing about, that blood that will make us whiter than snow. We sang about that today. Take time to be holy. The other song that uh, we sang at the beginning, Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Well, you think, well, if you're washing it in blood, it's not going to be spotless. Are they white as snow? Well, it's Jesus' blood. That was the payment for sin. That cleanses us from our sins. Romans 5.8 tells us, But God demonstrated his own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why we were yet sinners? And again, it brings it back. What did we do to earn that? What did we do to earn his salvation? What did we do to earn him going to the cross for us? Not a thing. Somebody said, not a thing. That's exactly right. Apart from Christ, there is nothing redeemable in the human person. Our way is corruptness. Our way is evil. Our way is... is um, Degrading. It goes down. When we look at the world today, really, and, and if you get the snapshots of some of the news, we see human nature at work. That's the human nature that's at work. When we see these riots and these murders and these, these killings, that is the human nature. That is the rebellious nature. That is the angry nature. That is the bitter nature. That is the selfish nature. That is all those things that are at work. That's what we are apart from Christ. And you may say, well, not everybody participates in that. That's true. But that is the human nature that's there. And Jesus even said in the Gospels, you may not be out there doing those things, but if you've thought about them, if you've harbored it in your heart, you're guilty of that same thing. And we don't always think of that. Jesus paid the price. His blood was shed for the payment of our sins. He gave his life. He was without sin, gave his life for the sinner. And that doesn't make sense to us. We, we can't imagine why would somebody do that. We think of the vilest person that is locked away in a prison. And if somebody was to say, would you give your life so that man could go free? Most people would say, of course not. That person is vile, that person is terrible, that person has done atrocious things, but that's what Jesus did. And even before the crucifixion, when they gave the crowd the option, which one should we set free? They chose to set free the criminal. But Jesus was going to the cross knowing that he was fully God and that this needed to be done to restore relationship for those that were called, for those that were sanctified, for those that were chosen to be part of that family of God. He went there. He hung upon that cross, looking down upon the people there, some that had spit upon him, some that were gambling for his clothes, some that had drug him there, those that had driven the, the nails or the spikes in his wrists and his feet, those that had scourged him. Those that were mocking him. 
he saw his mother there and the lack of people that were there of some of his disciples that should have been there that weren't there he saw all this and yet he cried out father forgive them for they know not what they do God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners he died for us nothing that we could do to earn that so that's the red we have sin we have the payment for sin then we had yellow or gold what did that represent heaven he tells us that we're going to live in a city of gold now Arnie just spoke about silver and gold and that's talking about this silver and gold in this world here but it says what God has for us is unimaginable and we're not just doing these things to get these unimaginable things but he's saying because I love you I've reserved a place for you Right? We said that. He's got mansions. and he, We read the scripture last week. Where I go, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go, there's many mansions. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and bring you there. We have a reservation. We have a place where God wants us to be with him. Where that relationship is fully restored. Where we fully can be enjoined with him and all that he has for us. And so Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the gift. Christmas for children is a wonderful time, isn't it? They get excited about things. We would, you know, buy a couple presents we were never really... Uh, you know, big present getters, but we'd get our kids a few presents, and it really didn't matter when they were small. You could get them a couple little things, and they were excited for that gift. They wanted to see what it was all about. They wanted to receive it and open it up. Sometimes the kids may not have been very good through the year. Sometimes, remember, they, there would be a, a little joke about Maybe you're going to get a lump of coal in your sock. Mm. Oh, you had that happen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we all deserve that lump of coal in our sock, according to God's word. Again, because we're not righteous. But isn't it wonderful that the Father provided us a gift? He says, here's the gift. Jesus. So we have the sin. We deserve the, the, the coal. Christ came. There's the gift. Heaven is what's inside that gift. The gift of Jesus Christ. And so here we go. We have this gift. And when you give that child that gift, they are excited and they rip that open and they're, they're just ecstatic to see it. Now in the worldly sense, they play with it a little while and it's cast off to the side. Unfortunately, some people want to treat our Lord like that too. They come to the altar, they get all excited, they, they've, they've prayed the prayer. Maybe they've been saved and they're excited, but sometimes they drift back into that world. What God gives us is eternal. For the wages of sin is death, so we know this. We know that without payment for the sin we deserve to die and we're going to hell. That's the destination, that's what God's word says, and we believe what God's word says. There's no skirting around that. Without Christ, you're going to hell. You are lost. 
but we forget about the gift. The gift of God is eternal life. That means that we are going to be with him forever and ever and ever eons. We can't even imagine for all eternity. Wherever your mind can go with that. That is the gift that God has given us. On TV you can see the little energizer bunny, whatever. It says, you know, he goes and goes and goes and goes. Then batteries die sometimes. Eventually they're going to. The gift of eternal life never dies. We, we, we can't even, my mind, I try to think about that, and I think of a, uh, that I'm a person with an imagination. I can't even imagine it. But it is only in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We need that relationship with him. So we have sin, we have the blood, we have the gift of eternal life to be with God. Today we're going to talk about white. And white represents purity. It represents purity all through the world, right? When the brides get married, they, they wear white to, to show their purity. There's something about white that is just, it just looks clean. And we talk about without spot or blemish. White represents this. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. We just sang one of those verses, right? Take time to be holy. Another thing that white represents when we talk about purity is holiness. Now holiness isn't some pie in the sky when you die thing. And that's sort of how we look at relationship of, of, of God sometimes. That, well now I'm saved and when I get to heaven, won't that be wonderful? Well no. Do you understand that eternal life starts now? It starts at the time of, of your salvation. We are in that. If you are a born-again believer, you are in eternal life right now. You're just in a different form. You know, we, we talk about funerals, and we say, you know, their last, for the believer, for their last breath here on life, in this life, their next breath was that, that was in heaven. See, because we are in eternal life. And so God has called us to do things here on earth. He desires for us to live for him. Holiness isn't something that we can generate up ourselves either. Sometimes we think, well, if I just do good, right? If I just help this person, if I... And those are all wonderful things to do. And I'm not saying that some of those things can't be part of holiness. But holiness can only be had by a believer first. And so if we're a believer, we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have relationship with Jesus. And when we talk about having a closer walk with Jesus, again, some of these old hymns are just tremendous because we can just think of them, you know, just a closer walk with thee. That's sort of our, our path of sanctification, our, our path of purification, our path of holiness. There was a book out, I believe it was by Bridges, that was called The Pursuit of Holiness. And it's nothing that we can do of ourselves. We need to be fully dependent upon the Holy Spirit for this, but it, the thing that we do with it is we initiate it. It's like when I hop in the car, I know when I go out to my truck, I know I got a good battery in there. I know that that battery can start my car and run everything that's in it, but I need to turn the key. As a believer, when we look at doing things for God, when we look at holiness, these are things that 
we initiate. We take one step towards God. Our dependence is upon him. It's nothing that we are going to generate ourselves. So when we look at this, we're, we're, we're really saying, God, purify me more. If I want to seek after holiness, and there's quite a few scriptures here that talk about holiness, and we're going to just touch on a few of those, but when we talk about these things, you know, it's something that God commands us to do. And you say, well, how can I do that? How can I be holy? Why does God say things like, be holy, like I am holy? I just want to share a few verses. And it, and it goes all the way back in the Old Testament, Exodus 19.6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So back then he was talking about Israel being a holy nation. Well, we know when Jesus came and, and now there's no Jews or no Gentiles, we are all part of that. We become part of this holy family. Leviticus 11.45 For I am the Lord who brings you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You should therefore be holy as I am holy. Can you imagine? And we just went through two Old Testament books. But God was telling his people there, you need to be holy as I am holy. Wow. We look at that we say, I can't. That's right. We can't. But he can through us. Holiness is not perfection in everything we do. We need to, to sort of scrub that thought. Holiness is the character of God coming through us. Leviticus 19.2 Speak to all the congregation and say to them, You shall be holy for the Lord your God is holy. Do we even hear messages on holiness anymore? Do we even let people know that there's that option to be holy? Some people just feel like, well, this is how I am and this is how I'll be and this is, you know, whatever. This, you know, they buy those, those rudimental things of the human nature. And I really believe in the Christian life. That's why we fail so much. Because we don't believe God for what he says and what he can do. And so we go back to what we fall upon. Our nature. Luke tells us this, 174. To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. So in Luke it's telling us that we serve God in holiness, in righteousness. Doing those things that are pure, doing those things that are, are right. Shunning those things that are evil. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. He's telling us that we got a job to do. Listen, mom, run the bath water. You need to get in the tub and get clean. Right? God has given us the Holy Spirit in our life. He's given us power in our life. We need to get into that and get clean. He will clean us. But we need to hop in that tub to do it. Clean us from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, in the respect of God. Are you letting God cleanse you? 
Are you letting God work in your life? Ephesians 4.24 And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We no longer need to live like the pigs or the swine in the mud of the world. We don't need to mimic after this world. God has called us to be different. He has called us to, to be sanctified, to be set apart. He wants us to be a strange and peculiar people that when people look at us, they say, there is something different. And they'll say, what is different about you? And we got the answer. It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ in our life. He cleansed me. He's made me what I am. He's changed me because the path that I was on was going nowhere. Literally, it was a dead end. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace, peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So when we see all these people in the, in the newsreels that are out there fighting and arguing and belittling one another... And no matter what it is, and I'll tell you, conservative Christians got their own little circle of wars that go on with each other. I mean, I see people fight tooth and nail over authors, over, you know, Calvinism, Arminianism, Spurgeon, you know, R.C. all these, will fight to the death over these things. Instead of keeping our eyes on Christ and following what it is that he has. You know, we had a, a teacher when our kids were little in a Christian school. And I can remember to this day, before our kids ever started, we went there and they sort of interview you and they tell you what the school's about. And uh, his name is Mr. Vandaloo, by the way. And I don't can't remember if we've had him speak here or not. He used to do pulpit supply for us at our other church. But I can remember to this day, and however many years ago that was, 30-some years ago, 30 years ago, he said, I don't believe in teaching our children what is wrong. I believe that we teach them what is right. And if they know what is right, they will know what is wrong. Now doesn't that make sense? We can run around this whole world saying this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. Teach what is right. I don't want to have a memory full of things that are wrong. I want to have my... Memory full of holiness and righteousness and what God's word says. And when my mind is filled with God's word and the purity and the holiness of God's word in my mind. When something comes against that, I'm going to know that. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Fill your mind with good things. I, I've really come to believe that, you know, it's sort of like the garbage in, garbage out. What is it that you listen to? What is it that you watch? What is it that you participate in? Now listen, I love, I love some of these things that God has provided in this world. I love hunting. I love sports. I watch some of those things. But you know, I know a lot of people that can quote a lot more football statistics than they can scriptures of God's word. If we are to that point in our life, there's something wrong with our relationship with God. If we can tell everybody about everything else that's going on, 
but we don't know what God's word says, there's a problem, there's a disconnect there. And we call ourselves Christians. It is God that gives us the strength. It is him that is going to even give us the drive to desire. But many times we have fear in our life. We have fear to take the step. We have fear about being different. We have fear about all sorts of things in our life. And so we're afraid to step out if our friends think something different. We're afraid to, to make a statement and say, this is why I believe what I believe. We live peaceably with all men as much as depends on us. But we never compromise on God's word. We need to confess Jesus Christ as the answer to the things that are going on. I tell people, don't be part of the problem, be part of the solution. The solution is in a relationship with Christ. It is only God that can change the heart. You know, I can't talk anybody into being a Christian. If you're here today and, and you're not a Christian, I can't talk you into it. I can't even convince you to be one. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But what we do is we share Jesus Christ. And we depend upon the work of the Holy Spirit to come into a person's life and make that change. In 1 Peter 1, 13-16, it talks about this living before God our Father. And so I want you to take this, when we talk about purity and holiness, it's a choice we can make. And you say, but, you know, I just did this yesterday. It, yesterday is gone. When I was raised, I was raised Lutheran, and I was, we had a pastor, Youngdahl, and I don't remember a whole lot about uh, my church days, because I didn't go a whole lot, and we were more of an Easter and, and holiday type of a... But I do remember he used to say, yesterday is gone, tomorrow has not yet come, live for today. That was his comment. Now, where his emphasis was on all that, I don't know, but I've come to embrace that, that yesterday is gone. I can't change a thing that I did yesterday. I can repent of that. I can apologize to people if I've hurt them, but I can't change yesterday. I have no control over what tomorrow holds. But God has given me today. And so we confess Christ. We live for him. And we live before God. In 1 Peter 1.13 it says, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind. It all starts here. I'll tell you, sin starts here. Actions start here. Just about everything starts here. When you open your eyes in the morning, you know, you got to make a decision. What am I going to do? Am I going to get up and eat breakfast? Am I going to go to the bathroom? Am I going to turn on the news? Am I going to go to church? We start making decisions. But it all starts here. God many times tells us, gird up the loins of your mind. Get a hold of those things. It tells us, be sober. That means clear thinking. We need to be clear thinking about what each day holds for us. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts. Remember, we just read that scripture. You've been born again. You are a new creation. Sometimes we look back and say, oh, you know, I remember when. And I think I had fun back then. And so we go back and we do... You know, it's like a dog returning to its vomit. 
You know? He says, don't go back conforming yourselves to the former lusts. You know? I used to have an anger problem. Well, I believe that, that God has worked on that in my life, but I can go back to that pretty easy if I let myself. Because God has also given me restraint. But if I let that restraint go, I can go back to being angry. I can go back to being bitter. I can go back to, you know, abuses that I used to do. So it tells me, gird up my mind. Right? Fully upon the, gird up my mind. Be clear thinking. Be obedient. Don't conform to the lust. It says, as in your ignorance. Right? Maybe back then you didn't know better, but now as a born-again believer, you know better. You have no part being a part of some of the things that you're a part of. And I'm speaking to all of us, myself. We have no part being a part of some of the stuff that we're involved in in this world. Before it was an ignorance, now we know. Now we know. But as he who has called you as holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Holiness is being in a right relationship with God. It's not being perfect. Don't ever think that. Don't ever think, because if we say, you know, I got to be perfect, I got to be perfect, you, you are going to drive yourself crazy. It's not going to happen. Being holy is in a right relationship with God. Spiritually, maybe perfect. But in this world, we, we battle. We battle flesh and different things. Holiness is also being set apart for God in his use. Very close to sanctification. So why does holiness? And no matter where we come from, no matter what we've done, and even today, if you leave and, and something happens and you fall short, because we have that in our nature, to fall short, God gives us this promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is faithful. If we fall short, if we sin in our life and we confess those sins, that means coming into agreement with God. God, I am wrong on this. I agree. Your word says this and, and I have been wrong in this. I agree with you. That's confession. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is able to wipe the slate clean to purify us, to get us in right relationship with him. Are you in that position in your life? So four colors, so for white or black, we're sinful, right? Red, Jesus has paid it all. All to him I owe. Gold, I have eternal life in heaven with God. And white, holiness. The second part of these, as we're going along, has to do with our walk in this world. Easy to remember, easy to share with somebody, easy to evaluate with ourselves. So, are you right with God? Is your relationship where it needs to be? If not, Jesus says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to repent. Today is the day to confess. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for all that you do in our life. We thank you, Lord, for this simple message of the color of salvation. But, Lord, all it is is really putting your words 
into action. Father, we acknowledge our sinfulness and we acknowledge that Christ is the only way. We believe in eternal life, but we believe in this life there is more than just going through the motions, that you have called us for a purpose, one of which is holiness. So Father, work on our lives. Fill us with your thoughts. Help us to concentrate more upon your word and less upon ourselves. We thank you again for this time together, Lord. We ask that you bless the events and the things that follow here shortly. Lord, you are a good God, and we love you greatly. And we thank you that we don't deserve it for the love that you give us. And we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.